calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another brand new uh, spoiler review episode of What If Season 2. We're talking about episode 8 today on this episode of the Ge- of Geek Bites, brought to you by the Geek Buddies! <laughs> hey! hey! That's the best I got for you. I'm not feeling so hot. What did I say now? What's the problem now? No, it wasn't yeah. you. I just, like, the Geek Bites started, oh, and I'm sh- looking at Shannon M. Shannon M down there. Like... <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All hoodie. All hoodie conversation. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Worst Jedi ever. (laughs) True. Very true. Don't tell me what to do. All right. So what if the Avengers assembled in 1602? That is the name of this particular title. This was written by AC Bradley and Ryan Little. Uh, Brian Andrews has been directing, I think, all the episodes uh, this season. uh, Doing another, another incredible job directing this one. Great animation interesting story i'm i'm really curious i watched this one at like 4 30 this morning uh because i couldn't sleep and i just got up and watched it and so i'm very curious to hear what you guys think about this one because this is based on the 1602 story yet from a number of reviews that i read it doesn't really adhere that much to the 1602 story so gonna be interesting captain carter tries to undo the anomaly that strands familiar heroes and villains in the year of 1602 Peggy has been summoned by the Scarlet Witch this universe. We get Shakespeare, Robin Hood and his Merry Men, allusions to Infinity War, the witty repartee of the Avengers, an Infinity Stone, a makeshift Infinity Gauntlet, the Destroyer from Thor 1, Yellow Jackets, Steve and Peggy uniting and then being torn apart again, a Scarlet Witch, a Happy Hogan as a Purple Hulk again, and Dark Tour Strange. My God, this one had it all. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on this particular episode of What If? Well, my first thought is stop encouraging Shannon. That was Strange Supreme. But beyond that, yeah, no, this is this is this is the Marvel 1602 comic adapted in the exact same way that Civil War or Infinity War or Kang or anything is adapted to the Marvel universe. Like you couldn't take 1602 
to the comic and just put it in what if and have it make any sense to the MCU that we currently live in. Right. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and several other characters that aren't even in the MCU play major, major roles, it would yeah. just be a lot to bite off. So they took the idea of 1602 and wrapped it around a brand new sort of MCU-friendly story. And I, for one, thought it was great. I had an absolute blast. I was wrong about my Kahori uh my my, yeah. my my thought that Kahori was going to be the forerunner, so I was bummed about that. But I thought Steve Rogers being the forerunner and tying that into Infinity War and tying that into the Peggy and Steve relationship, I thought this was just a, a ton of fun. Like, I thought it was a blast. It's like sort of 1602 light. And if you want to yeah. dive into something that's a lot more dense, I highly recommend if you enjoyed this at all to pick up 1602, the comic, and you're going to get a completely different story, but some of the pieces are still there. Uh, and it's going to be a great read for you if you like this. But as a 1602 fan, um, I thought this was a ton of fun. And as we've been saying throughout the season, I love me a good Peggy Carter story. And anytime <laughs> you get Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers together, and then you take them apart, it works every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been fascinating to see some people pushing back on the Peggy Carter stuff. I'm like, well, what has she done to you? It's just a really fun character here within the What If universe. So just fascinated by people's anger about it. But yeah, Shannon, the difference here, uh, which Michael didn't uh, touch on yet, is that uh, Captain America is the focus, Steve Rogers is the focus, like he was in the 1602 run here from Neil Gaiman, except he's not Native American this one, thank God. He's just a man <laughs> out of time uh, here. It was, which a smart is, is a, it was a smart adjustment. Smart a very adjustment. smart adjustment. Yes. So, Shannon, what were your thoughts about this particular episode overall? Um, you know, I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I do think the, the adaptation of 1602 um, was um, far more cheeky than Ooh. the actual Jeez. than the actual comic. The comic okay. takes it the comic takes itself, takes itself very, very seriously. Yeah. Um, whereas this one was just all fun. I mean, the thing that they did do in 1602 is if you had powers, they are adapted for 1602. Right. And this Ant-Man, he's just Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how are they able to do this in 1602? Ah, eh, we don't really know. Ah, eh, it's not that important. Oh, look, they got an army of yellow jackets that they fire out of a gun. Great. That's fun. Um, so I, I, thought it, I thought it was a blast. And I did like that Steve Rogers still was still was the forerunner because mm -hmm. I was fully on Vogel's uh, Kahori Kahori theory. I was like, yeah. well, she's, she's showing up at any moment now. Um, I, lay out, I lay out a good argument, even when I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but everything, the, the, the adaptation that they, that they did make, um, having Loki perform Shakespeare, mm -hmm. that is so funny. You know, when Peggy takes the, the Yorick skill, ah, my Yorick, my Yorick. Like, that was fantastic. Him yeah. pitching Othello as an Iago story, so freaking funny. I mean, I will say the MVPs for this episode were Tom Hiddleston and John Favreau, because when Favreau first popped up, I'm like, I, I thought that was just an ancillary character. And then to find out that it's Sir Sir Hogan the Happy, I'm like, awesome. That's that's really, really funny. Um, so yeah, I, I super enjoyed it. This is this this was uh, this checked off all the boxes. I knew you'd love that hat. Oh, he drove me. He drove me insane. I would have to say that I just I was I'd say I'm a I was a little disappointed by this. Well, I, 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 I'd say I wanted I'm, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm just going to point out ahead, as yes. soon as you said you couldn't <laughs> sleep, got up at 430 in the morning, weren't feeling yeah. well and watched it. Yeah, I think this might have more to do with you than the episode. But please continue. True? That's not true. I could watch anything that I like while I'm sick. In fact, most people enjoy watching stuff when they're sick. That's usually what you do. So for me, I, I just wanted to, I, you know, to me, it's just that 
let's be snarky and let's be funny. And it, to me, a little, it, 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 it grates on me. It's the same way I felt about Age of Ultron in certain scenes, the trying to be witty with everybody. It gets a little much when you uh, put it all together in a half hour show and slam it all together in the way that it does. I didn't like the Happy Hogan, the Rapscallion and all of that stuff. It got a little bit irritating, but I did love the Loki jokes. Maybe because I'm a Shakespeare guy. I love the Shakespeare jokes. They worked for me overall, but I just wanted something a little more magical here, and I didn't quite feel that as I was watching it, even though I was enjoying the episode and I liked it as a standalone episode for what it was, uh, which, of course, you say that then says to be continued at the end, but I did enjoy that aspect of it all. I just wanted a little bit more, so... I'm only bitching on the edges. I'm not bitching about the core and the meat of this thing, just on the edges. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about this overall storyline here with Captain Carter, uh, Michael, in, in this episode. We see her. Uh, we find out the Scarlet Witch is the one that brought her here, and it's because this universe is going to implode on itself uh, because these things keep happening. We see Hela getting sucked out of that green portal, Thor turning on her. She becomes this outlaw and rebel. The Watcher, she can communicate with the Watcher apparently when it's convenient for her because obviously she's a woman out of time. So it would make sense that she could communicate with the Watcher who's watching all of time. She decides to stay when she could take the easy route and leave. But that's, that's not Captain Carter. So she kind of goes on and does this thing. Nick Fury helps her out. We're working behind the scenes there. And she puts it all together, gets the Avengers on board, gets Robin or Rogers Hood and his Merry Men on board. And they go after Steel this um steal this infinity stone put it in tony's contraption uh and in the end it is steve and she has to let go of steve yet again in another universe uh but then dark tor strange or sorcerer supreme shows up so strange supreme shows up so uh, mike your thoughts on the storyline here with captain carter did you like it did it work for you did you enjoy that they made her the focus in this episode what stood out and what didn't work for you I mean, yeah, I, you know, to people who are, like, pushing back on the Peggy Carter, I'm kind of like, look, she's been in, like, a handful of animated episodes and showed up for five seconds in Multiverse of Madness to die. Like, everybody can <laughs> calm down. It's not like, it's not like she is the new main character of the Marvel Universe, but I love Haley Atwell. I think she's a great actress. I think everyone at Marvel loves Haley Atwell and loves working with her. And I think yeah, everyone yeah. there is inclined to work with her as much as they can. And Peggy Carter kind of becoming one of the central characters of this What If universe, I think is a great idea. I think she is a super fun character. She has she has all the attributes of Steve Rogers that we love, but still feels like Peggy Carter. And mm -hmm. it, just, it doesn't feel like they're trying to, again, in the constant articles and uh, tweets yeah. and uh, debates about wokeness and too much wokeness and not enough wokeness and everything else, like Peggy Carter is a great character and stands on her own. And yeah. so the more that they use her, the better. And I think, as I was saying before, the Steve Rogers, Peggy Carter connection, um, you know, there's a reason why them dancing is the last shot of uh, the yeah. Infinity Saga. Like, yeah. it's just a very strong story, and it always works. Um, look, I, I mean, I know I was making fun of you. I get what you're saying. Like, 1602 is potentially an epic, heavy, deep, sprawling, yeah. historical. Like, there's a lot you can do with it. And in a half-hour what-if episode that's animated, they leaned more on let's go for that MCU kind of fun and silliness and not over-explain things. And so for me, that worked. But I do understand if you really like 1602 and you're a Neil Gaiman fan, it yeah. might not tick all the boxes for you, which is why I recommend going to read it. But when you have a half hour, you're trying to like condense everything. I think they did a really nice job of, all right, Peggy's on the run, needs to figure out what to do with these riffs. Tony Stark is like, I got this. We need the scepter. It's an infinity stone. 
fight Infinity Stone magic with Infinity Stone magic. Let's all have a big battle. Let's wrap it up. Like you, you they for what they laid out in 30 minutes, I thought they told a pretty big and sprawling story where every character got to have their moment for the fact that they had to really, you know, sort of streamline 1602. So I thought her story was really nice, and I'm always happy to have Peggy Carter be the central focus of anything. Yeah, what worked for you or didn't work for you here with the Peggy Carter storyline, um, Shannon? Because, I mean, I don't think she's the focus of 1602. So uh, did you like her being uh, having so much to do here in this particular episode and the way it all worked with the Avengers and, and what have you, and then eventually, of course, confronting Thor and what have you? I mean, again, I, I understand Vogel's point that if you're you're a big fan of that comic, like you would like to have seen it gotten like the feature film treatment right. or like when DC was doing their when, when DC does their animated movies like that type of that that story would be primed for an adaptation in in something where you have a little more real estate. But for what it was being used for, because to my knowledge, Marvel is not going to be doing animated adaptations of any uh, classic comic book runs um for what for what they were able to use it for i thought it worked really well there are things in 1602 that i certainly miss like i love matt murdoch mm -hmm. in 1602 mm -hmm. like he he's such a fun character black widow pops up carlos xavier i mean there's so many great aspects to it um that you weren't going to be able to include here just because of a just because of the the uh lack of time that you have um choosing peggy essentially as the lead kind of of the what if series even though she's not in every episode um i think she's a really strong lead and i think taking an, an english character and putting them even though they never explicitly say it's england um yeah. <laughs> taking an english character putting putting her in the 17th century england um with all of those kind of classical classic english tropes Robin Hood, Shakespeare. I think that I think those are just really good bedfellows. I thought that really, really worked. Um, I I do understand what you're saying about about the comedy though, because what mm. the what the graphic novel is again is it it takes itself very very seriously. I mean, yeah. the dynamic that Nick Fury and Doctor Strange have in the comic is great, mm -hmm. and watching how Neil Gaiman was so adeptly able to um, basically take the characters that we know and love and present them in this. Um, 17th century light was awesome but for what we got I thought Peggy's story worked really well and I guess you know if I were better at story like Vogel I would have seen Steve Rogers being the forerunner again coming from a mile away <laughs> um, but the moment that I was just kind of like huh I wonder who it is it must be it must be Kahori it's got to be strange yeah dark door strange now, I, but then when you when I really like my when I really like my own theories, I like I don't see it coming either. I was like, all right, so where's Doctor Strange or Kahori? And then I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, that works. That works too. <laughs> but also, you know, also the idea that 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 was that was a Steve Rogers who was fighting Thanos. Yeah. I, I love that he still had that Wakandan shield that struck the the Time Stone, and you know, hijinks happen. Um, but no, I mean, I thought Peggy's story Peggy's story for this worked really well, and she's clearly going to be the focus of our of our finale as well. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing to me because Haley Owl is so good in this role voiceover wise that I'm I'm like curious why there's not a whole cottage industry of Haley Atwell voicing over incredible characters and in other uh, projects. Maybe just because she doesn't want to do it. She wants to focus on on-camera stuff. We just saw her in the Mission Impossible film and Dead Reckoning Part 1. So maybe that's much more of a focus. But she's incredible here, man. I love her and every time she pops up. I think she delivers the right amount of um, heroism, uh, gravitas, humor, playfulness, flirtiness, and also awe. Like when 
Steve shows up and he's, you know, you look just like my lady Margaret and all that, like all of that, you, the way she plays it is so honest and real and you connect all over again. She said, Mike, it works constantly because Haley Atwell does such a great job of bringing it to life. Um, And I think it's Mick Wingard who plays, uh, no, Josh Keaton, sorry, Josh, Josh does a great job uh, uh, evoking Steve that you buy into it, right? Both uh, Steve, uh, Josh being such a, a uh, phenomenal and experienced voiceover actor working with Haley. Uh, work, the, it just works, the chemistry between them, you know? And so I, I, I don't know if they're in the same booth or recording different times, but whatever it is, it just works. The chemistry is there. So I like it, and I enjoy her fighting. I enjoy her going back and forth with the Watcher. I enjoy her being determined to succeed in the situation. And in the end, she's left alone. She does what she does, and once again, she's left alone. And I like that she's accepting this more and more as it happens that her being out of time is something that she's now just getting used to and doesn't affect her like it did initially. So that's growth within the character. And I like that they have that. So I enjoyed the storyline for what it was. Her back and forth with with Mick Wingard as, as Tony Stark was great and very funny as well. And then her back and forth with Thor. Even though she's saying, my liege, my king, which is really weird to hear her out of them in that situation, you understand that she's showing respect and then has to go toe-to-toe with him. And by the end, you're in. So... Um, Shannon, what did you think about the other Avengers in this uh, particular episode? Did you like the way they weaved them all in, made them work, have their back and forths with each other, having Scarlet Witch uh, doing what she did, having Nick Fury doing what he did as well in the court? I know you're going to go on and on about Happy Hogan, who I guess is adjacent to a member of the Avengers. So what, are you, what are your thoughts over and about these Avengers and how they worked within this episode? Uh, I thought they all, I, I thought they were great. The only critique I would have is I just wish we had more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the 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 moment where uh, Peggy is sort of eavesdropping in the throne room and you hear Nick Fury say like, well, it sounds like you you know what your mission is. Um, like that dynamic that he has with uh, with Peggy is, is awesome and, and very reminiscent, even though, again, she's not in 16 you know, with the comic. That's very reminiscent of the dynamic that Fury has with a lot of those characters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought they all worked really, really well. I mean, again, we don't really get an explanation why why Scott Lang is able to use the Pym Tech in sixteen oh two, and you know what? It's fine. Uh, uh, but I mean, I, I was hoping that we were going to get a great shot of like a steampunk arm for Bucky <laughs> that maybe was there, maybe it wasn't. I don't think it was. I yeah. feel like I would have I would have uh, uh, locked in on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it really surprised me in a Robin Hood centric uh, section that you don't have Hawkeye in it, which I thought was really oh interesting. God, right. <laughs> that, that, that kind of seemed like a missed opportunity, but at the end of the day, ultimately you need Roger, you need Steve there, um, to connect, to connect with Peggy. I mean, yeah. could Clint have been in there firing the arrows? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But if you're going to give a character the name Rogers Hood or you're going to do a Robin Hood, Rogers Hood probably works pretty well. Yeah, um, and yeah, maybe, maybe I did like Happy. I won't apologize. For it. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I thought Happy was funny. Were you jealous of some of the writing for uh, Fabro and the things he got to say? Because I know you love writing those kind of time period pieces, steampunk stuff and, and what have you and stuff out of time. So did you like hearing that stuff? Did it work for you uh, as a writer? I thought Happy's dialogue was written brilliantly. One of the things that it when I'm when I'm working on a project that is appropriate for that type of language, um, and sometimes when it isn't, ask Mike. Um, <laughs> I will have a thesaurus open, being True. like, if if this is a one syllable word, let me fi- let me find a way I can make it a four syllable word. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Mike, what do you think of the Avengers and how they worked in here? And anything you want to say about the writing in some of these scenes? 
Yeah, look, I mean, it is interesting. They did mention Clint uh, when Bucky shot the arrows. Yeah. He said this is for Clint. So I guess Hawkeye oh. died. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and I, and I wonder why. I wonder if like you know they just Jeremy Renner came in for the lines that he did, and he was like, "I gotta go. I don't have time." Or if they were just like you know it's just one too many characters to service. Like they really wanted Ant Man there for the comic relief and the quippy one liners. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna have Steve, you kind of want to. It's a Steve and Peggy story. You kind of want Bucky present. Sometimes you're just like we you know it's one too many characters like you, you run into a rebel moon problem where you introduce a bunch of characters and then you don't have enough time to have any character personality because there's too many of them there uh <laughs> oh my god yes. that was for you johnny that was for you. you but no i thought the writing was really good i mean i think that the, the robin hood piece is not something that's in 1602 the comic but i think robin oh. hood is something that everybody in the world kind of gets as i'm as i'm wearing a robin hood t-shirt right now but uh, but robin hood is something that everybody kind of gets and so saying all right thor and loki and the asgardians are the rulers nick fury is kind of working for them but kind of doing his own thing wanda is sort of the court magician got it let's take our avengers and make them the merry men everyone's and then let's have bruce be the monster in the iron mask like it just gives right. you a lot of really easy as a casual audience member kind of diving into this world you don't need to know a ton about world history whereas oh. like when you read neil gaiman 1602 you're like okay we're diving in i gotta i gotta go open wikipedia a little bit to like make sure i've got everything <laughs> figured out so i think they did a good job of doing the more um like i said 1602 light um, yeah. but I thought the writing was really fun. I thought, as we said yesterday, I, particularly in the what if episodes, I like the MCU quippiness. Uh, mm -hmm. it's something that I think is really fun about the Marvel universe, but I know that that is also something that a lot of people get tired of. So I know that there's probably a lot of you that share Johnny's opinion on that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was nice and strong and fun and silly. I and mean, they got a lot of little fun moments. I mean, I think kind of the key of a good episode or a good, a, a good 30 minute piece or longer is when they do a lot of little setups that land like oh happy hogan loves his feather feather gets yeah. cut that's what makes him hulk out you know it's just little things like that like the like shannon said like loki being the shakespearean actor and then selling everybody on this great iago play that he's got all throughout <laughs> like there's all these little bits uh that they did a really nice job with yeah, it's kind of inside joke, right, with Shakespeare performers, right, that they make the play about the characters they're playing. Like we saw that in Shakespeare in Love, where uh, the gentleman who plays um, uh, in uh, Downton Abbey, he says that the Romeo and Juliet's about this nurse. And so, you know, it's, it's, you love that as an inside joke. And I thought they really nailed it. Yeah, I thought the writing here was fantastic. Whatever my issues are, that, the, uh, that it was a bit too much witty repartee and not, and not enough substance for me, uh, those are my personal issues. But overall, looking at it objectively, I thought the writing was really well done here and very inventive and smart and fun. And for the people who want to see this kind of stuff, I can understand why it works so well uh, for them. And the animation was glowing and fantastic yet again. I loved the performances here voiceover. Why it was with everybody and the funny and the little moments that you got, as you said, Michael, little allusions to certain things. They mentioned uh, Wakanda as well. Thor mentioned Wakanda. Yeah. Well, so you, you get this feeling like the, the outer universe, the larger universe of the MCU still existing within the 1602 section and situation so i like that everybody got a bit of a shout out here and who knows maybe they said for clint because they might have been recording this uh right as uh jeremy renner was uh, recovering from the snow uh mobile accident so it, it could be possible also that, that, he was also that. yeah so it could have been that he couldn't come in so they had to give his lines to someone else and so they were doing it in that way so but for me overall yeah this is a fantastic fun throwaway episode that you could enjoy but I really loved uh, Haley Atwell overall in this. Um, all right. Any final thoughts I, on this? I, I, Go ahead, Michael. My final thought is I am shocked 
mm-hmm. shocked that Shannon McClung did not call out Happy Hogan hurling an organ at Bruce Banner and yelling, oh. hey, Brucey, the pipes, the pipes are calling in an oh, oh Danny Boy reference. Yeah. Because when he said, oh, Brucey, the pipes, the pipes are calling, I rolled my eyes so far back in my head that they flipped around and said, that is the most Shannon McClung dumbass joke I've ever heard in my life. Well, let me ask you, is it is this Hella after, like, is because she's the queen, seems like everybody likes her. So is this Hella after the convergence? Even like, is I think this is just a different Hella. Yeah, but you've got it's a just different. Hole. It's a different Hella. It's moving everything in. No, I yeah. think it's a different Hella because um, the people. It, this gets into like stuff that they didn't really establish, but okay. the people don't seem to love the ruling class. Like, like in it's not that notes. Hella was yeah. good. It's not that Hella was good. I think it's more that Thor was a lot more like his dad. Like, if they were a heroic mm. family. Um, Thor might not been have been so quick to sort of say, hey, Peggy, you're an outlaw. Like, if you have yeah. Rogers and the Merry Men over here as the good guys, it kind of places the ruling class as the antagonist. And the fact that Scarlet Witch and Nick Fury were kind of working against the king kind yeah. of leads more towards Hela was the Hela we know, and Thor was just not the Thor that we know, right. I think. Fair point. Yeah, I think that works. Uh, Shannon, any final thoughts on the episode? So I was actually going to get to that Danny Boy joke because God. the thing that I was going to add, another thing that I liked, I was going to say the portrayal of Hulk in the 1602 uh, yeah. world. Yeah. Um, Hulk smash thee, Hulk smite thee. I mean, that had me on the ground. <laughs> and even though it was a, a, a Dumas reference with like the monster in the Iron Mask, yeah, that's right. where again, I'm like, okay, you're not explicitly stating that this is England. So it's like, because you do have a, a French uh, a French reference in there as well. But yes, the moment that <laughs> Happy Happy Hulk's out, and you get this great fight between them, and when he—it's not just the joke; it's that when he threw the organ, it, you heard the <laughs> sound as well. It was just a—it was a multifaceted uh, uh, Shannon McClung joke fest, which I was one hundred percent here for. Um, a question, a production question. Oh. I was actually going to ask Vogel for this. Do you think it's because the characters were pretty much already designed that they didn't change Tony's hair? They didn't change Scott's hair. Like they all had these very modern hairdos, but they had the period clothing on. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, even redressing characters in CG is a big discussion. I mean, look, this show is clearly a super, super expensive CG show and they're doing a lot. Yeah, but I yeah. do think you sort of reach a point in production where uh you sort of go back and forth where production and creative go head to head where you're like look uh you know I i've had the example of like look we need to put these people in winter clothes it's snowing outside okay cool but you can't put them in hats or you can't change like there's always these debates so i do think putting them all in um period appropriate clothing was like a given like you had to go and redress the characters but to go in and i don't know exactly how they're modeled but hair is always an issue in cg and so to go in and be like can we also do braids here do this here and i think it was just like hey we put them in the clothes let's you call it tunic. a day <laughs> you got your you got your tunic no more <laughs> Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our spoiler review here for episode eight. As we're at the 25-minute mark, we should wrap it up now. Episode eight, uh, season two of What If. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Well, I'm actually super impressed that we made it through all eight of these episodes, and we're going to do the ninth one tomorrow. We actually did a geek bite for every single what if. So I am very impressed with us, and I'm very happy that you joined us on this journey if you watched all of these episodes. And here's what you can do for us while we've been doing this for you. You can smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. You a 1602 fan? You a comics fan? You an episode fan? You liked both? You liked neither? Let us know below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars and comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. All right, I'm going to ask you one final question before we wrap up. Uh, make this 10, 15 seconds. Uh, okay. What is Strange Supreme putting together, Michael? Uh, I think uh, he needs Kahori. He needs Peggy Carter. He needs, uh, is he putting together a new team to do something even bigger? Is it Thanos related? I think we've had a lot of Thanos mm. images this season. It's Is it like a Thanos Supreme? Fights Thanos Supreme? Ooh, I like that idea. An even bigger one. All right, uh, Shannon, quick th- uh, guess. 50. Yeah, 10 seconds. He is putting together um, nameplates and business cards with his proper title, Dark Door Strange. Oh, oh my God. God damn it. <laughs> I think he's putting together a reality show. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you tomorrow with our final Geek Bite uh, to wrap up our coverage of uh, season two of What If. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of Geek Bites brought to you by the Geek Buddies. (gasps) Hey! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.